0: what do you want to be known for in the world we'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week and in our interview segment today we have john Beaton. He's the president and producer of Imagine Podcasting and the host of the beautiful podcast, What Has My Attention. I remember the first time I met John. We talk about it a little bit in this podcast and I was so struck by his warmth, kindness, generosity and willingness to partner with me in a conversation about creating a podcast. I was unsure and not clear on what I wanted and working with him and his team helped me really identify What I wanted to launch in the world. I hope you enjoy the episode today and remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. What do you want to be known for in the world? Sometimes clients come to me and they're unclear about the legacy that they want to leave or the goal that they want to create. And one of the access points as leaders we have to looking powerfully at the future is to say, what do we want to be known for? Imagine yourself 30 years from today or whatever timeline works for you where you might be close to saying goodbye to this world, but still here. What would you want people to say to you in gratitude of what you've created or left? What would you want to hear about who you've been? So what qualities would you want to hear people speak to about your name? Sit down and write those all out, and then create a running list of these words, these descriptions about who you are. Post them somewhere in your space so you can see them daily and you can be present to what you're actually creating. One of the quickest ways to access legacy is to start from the future and work your way backwards. So take a minute today and ask yourself, what do I want to be known for? Oh my gosh, John, I'm so excited to to be with you for this podcast. Um, I was thinking about the, well, first of all, I want to let everybody know that you are the producer of my podcast, which um, is how we met. We met through a, a mutual friend who I remember I was looking around for people that could help me with my show. I'd never done a podcast before. I was unsure if I even wanted to do a podcast because I had a lot of misconceptions about podcasting in my head, like... Everybody does a podcast, and nobody listens to podcasts anymore. <laughs> Which I uh, I brought to you, and um, yeah, yeah, and we were connected by by our, our good friend Kaylin, and I and I just remember in our first meeting how warm and kind and willing you were to listen to my concerns. So that mm, is thank you. That's my first impression of you as as someone who um, is a good listener and also could meet me where I was at you know, with where I was beginning. So I just adore you. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: So much. Thank you for having me so much. I mean, Elena, it's like, you're my favorite. I'm just going to say it. You're my favorite podcast we produce. Oh, don't
0: don't tell anybody else on your platform. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to well, come Well, it's
1: you. just, I mean, you know, you know, you know that I have my own podcast called One Has My Attention, focusing on women and strong leadership. So is it any mystery that I, you're your show wouldn't, would not be my favorite. I mean, it's just, I love it.
0: Uh, Well, thank you for all your support. You, you definitely make this, this podcast fun. And for, you know, everybody that's listening, the, the quality that you hear is all John and his team. So thank you. And the team. Yeah. Hey, I can't do
1: it alone. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, yeah, I've, I'm always looking for people that are better at doing stuff than me. Same, you know? same.
0: Well, tell me a little yeah. bit about your story. How did you get into podcasting and how did you become the, the CEO of this beautiful company?
1: All right. Well, thank you. Um, so, by the way, I'm just going to coach people here is I'm not going to say, what a great question, Elena. <laughs> thank I, you. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really <laughs> tired of hearing that from people. Isn't it funny? You know, <laughs> people should just say, by the way, Elena, all the questions you're going to ask me throughout this episode, uh, just... <laughs> They're all great questions, okay?
0: All all the manners (laughs) that people do when they're nervous. I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. So that should tell you something. It actually goes back to my father who was um, an accomplished musician, lost his hearing at the age of 40.
0: Mm.
1: And he wasn't able to engage in conversations too much at the dinner table. And, yeah, and it's kind of a longer conversation, but he was not able to be heard, Mm. you know. But it resurfaced throughout my life, um, and especially in podcasting, because in 2004, I discovered this code on a website that was an RSS feed, and I followed a link with an MP3 file, to an MP3 file, and it... I listened to the audio and it was a conversation with Dave Weiner, who was one of the, co- uh, the creators of podcasting. Mm. And he was like sitting in a cafe in Florida having a conversation with a guy while they were having breakfast, a friend of his. <laughs> and it was just this sense, I know, it's just this sense and this feeling of being the fly on the wall or the bug on the wall, just mm-hmm. like listening in on the conversation. And I realized that it was a huge game changer. It it allowed somebody with nothing or something to be said to be heard. Mm -hmm. So no more having to like be on, you know, uh, radio stations and things like that. And, And that expense and the inconvenience that it allowed people to create their own essentially essential radio show really on the Internet based radio. So that's how it started. And then I met a guy named Jeffrey Milburn at a party. Long story, artist. He was at a, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but he was at a um, New Year's Eve party in New York City, originally from Boulder, Colorado. And It was a New Year's Eve party, and it was like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? (laughs) During that, it was sometime in the 70s. Yeah. And he wasn't into that, and he found himself sitting on a couch next to a guy, and he looked over, and it was Andy Warhol.
0: Whoa. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And so Jeffrey and Andy became really good friends, and they started giving each other art gifts. Mm -hmm. And then Andy went in for exploratory surgery or something and ended up dying. Oh my gosh. And Andy really believed that Jeffrey was possibly the next big art form after pop art. So it kind of left Jeffrey stranded. And he actually presented his art form called OmniArt to Sting and Madonna and some other people. But nobody was really interested. So this was a story I needed to tell. Mm. And then... Jeffrey has gone on to do his own podcast. He's had like 250,000 downloads up at this point. But that's really how I got started. And then it was, um, you know, somebody said, you know, do you know about uh, Yapaya Zen Center? I was living in Santa Fe at the time. So, no, and I went there and I met Roshi Joan Halifax, hmm. who discovered Buddhism and, and bought this, this place and created Yapaya Zen Center. Mm-hmm. So she was doing a Dharma talk on Wednesday nights, and I just offered to to take the recordings they were already doing and mm-hmm. then repurposing them into a podcast.
0: Beautiful. So that,
1: yeah, that was 2007, and it's still going on.
0: Wow, thank you so much for sharing all of that, and especially um, as a musician myself, I hear your father's story, and, feel it deeply, you know, when I was still singing full time, Mm -hmm. one of the things I was terrified of was losing my voice, right? Because not only was it my livelihood, but then, you know, all the identity, um, questions that I had wrapped into that career was, you know, an existential layer of then if I don't have my voice, who am I? And so mm -hmm. I can just imagine what that was like for your father. And I really love that we've wrapped music into this because that was something that you and I connected on very early was uh, music outside of podcasting and coaching. And through your stories, I can really hear how much you love it. (laughs) And that that it's a calling for you and that it led you here. Yes. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah, just to say, I, I wake up every morning with a tune in my head. Yeah. And every once in a while, it's something that I don't know that tune. Maybe I should write it down.
0: And you are a musician yourself, right? What do you play?
1: Well, I haven't, I, yeah, I haven't been actively paint, playing. I mean, it was early on, it was piano. Then it was uh, electric bass guitar and uh, garage bands and, you know, Led Zeppelin and all that, pretty heavy into rock and roll mm-hmm. and all that. And then it was like I discovered the classical guitar and studied it seriously for five years. Wow. And then it was harpsichord because I heard it in a church yeah. you know, strolling down on a Sunday afternoon, there was a recital, and it was like it blew me away. And I wanted to study it. So I did that for two years. And then it was jazz piano, blues piano. Um, and I still have a piano. But my I do have my favorite instrument is a ukulele right now.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just yeah. a couple instruments, John. <laughs>
1: just a couple. Yeah, just a couple.
0: <laughs> so full on <laughs> musician is what we're saying. Yeah, well, I, I love that. Because I I really um, admire how you take care of sound and the nuance that you bring to sound and soundscapes and um, even the the intention with which we created this podcast to start with, how do you want it to sound? How do you want people to feel when they experience the sounds behind it? Mm -hmm. It was all from a musician's angle. So, well, I know something we were talking about before we we started to record was Beyonce since we're talking about music. What you got about this beautiful lady in her new album?
1: (laughs) Well, I never even heard her. Um, I think she came from Destiny's Child, right? Correct. Is that right? Yep.
0: She broke out. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, but she broke. And so none of that was I aware of until I heard this album, Lemonade.
0: Oh, that was your first intro to her. That's awesome. (laughs) That was my
1: first intro and specifically put a ring on it.
0: (laughs) Of course.
1: (laughs) Of course. And it was just like, talk about truth. Mm-hmm. And talk, you know, talk about just exposure of just an emotion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you should put a ring on it if you wanted. I mean, you know, it's sort of like that. So anyway, it was like, oh, this is dance music. So when Renaissance recently came out, I went absolutely wild. Because she hadn't done an album for six years.
0: Yeah, it's a really beautiful homage to all different styles of music. And uh, much like yourself, when it came out, I just sat there and was... Uh, I feel like I was back in music school again, studying all of the the history behind everything she'd kind of woven together, her and, and her teams and all the artists that are credited on the album, oh, the yeah. writers. Um, what's your favorite one on her new album?
1: The Last Two Cuts. Do you know the names? Yeah.
0: No, I'm not going to know them off the top of my head, because I just started yeah, listening two am weeks I. ago. Yeah,
1: either am I. That's okay. But... Yeah, the last the last two cuts, you know, or just but but, you know, those those were the favorites when I first started when I started listening to the album. But then I've mm-hmm. gone back and just said, let's start all over and just take it, take it for a complete book, not just a chapter.
0: Yeah, You know, exactly. the whole book. You know? Exactly. So
1: it's, you know, it's just got me moving emotionally and physically. And that's kind of how it translates to me.
0: One of my favorite things about Beyonce, Erin um, and I talk about Beyonce and Jay-Z a lot in our house uh, because we hold them as icons, um, leaders in the world. Like I'm always looking at it from the lens of leadership. How are they, how are they leading in their realm? And uh, powerhouses, like a powerhouse couple together. Uh, what does that look like? And the thing that I most admire about her is she's unwilling to have her voice be stifled in any way she is willing to own anything that she says in the world on stage. And I really admire that. And really together watching them build their relationship has been amazing because I relationships are not easy as you and I have talked about in our own personal relationships Sure. and um, watching them work through it, whatever, whatever the flavor of the day is behind the scenes that we don't see, we do see Mm -hmm. the result of that work, whatever it is. Um, out in the world. That's so beautifully
1: said, Elena. My gosh.
0: Yeah. I, I like to imagine that they're, you know, they go through the same stuff that we all go through in terms of communication breakdowns and relationship breakdowns. And, and it's, uh, nice to just see, see people that are willing to work on it and Mm -hmm. be an example of what that could look like. So, Mm -hmm. so I really like Mm her. And if you haven't, um, do you know Solange, her sister? Have you listened to any of her? Oh, no. Oh, John, go down a ra- rabbit hole. That woman is a poet. And uh, Solange, Solange is almost, I, I love her almost as much as I love Beyonce, actually, <laughs> probably equally. But the, I think about that often too how two sisters came from the same household and can make mm-hmm. such uh, beautiful, brilliant music. So I'd love to read yeah. more on their whole family history.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Interesting. Yeah, yeah music. You know, often I'll ask somebody, like on my team, mm-hmm. do you play an instrument? Yes, no, whatever. If you're going to be in a band or a group or whatever, what instrument would it be?
0: For me, uh, let's see, what would I, what would it be? You know, I always wanted to play the sax. I really, oh really, I love horns. Yeah, anything horn related. You know, I thought I was a string girl for a long time. You know, would be interested in like the viola or the violin, but no, it's the horn section for me. <laughs> <laughs> they just have a oh, lot of fun. Awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. So,
0: um, so yeah. sex.
1: Lately, have you been listening to any, anybody or any horns lately?
0: No. Uh, well, that's not true. Uh, Maverick City uh, is a, a gospel group. Um, the, Love they don't, it. I don't know that they really have a lot of horns. Who are the horns section? Lawrence. Oh my gosh, the band Lawrence. I have been. I have been listening to them about the last six months. I would say. Um, they are slowly rising in fame uh, based in nice. Brooklyn and their roots seem to be in jazz and gospel and their horn section is out of this world. Really That's beautiful. great.
1: Well, yeah, I am writing notes. <laughs>
0: great. Well, well, speaking of all this music, you know, one of the things you and I have also talked about when we're looking at how to market my show or mm-hmm. who I want to be in the world has been social media and um yeah. I was just thinking I don't I don't even know if I follow Beyoncé on social media. I think I do. But what I notice about her is that she's not she doesn't really play that game to my knowledge. I could be totally wrong about this, but I don't see many tweets about out there from her. I don't see a lot of PR yes. from her. So it gets me curious about her style and what she's chosen to be in terms of media presence and versus other people right now that are using social media a little differently. What are your thoughts?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think we have talked about this before, but you know, I'm going to frame stuff often as what has my attention.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of like
1: I wake up in the morning with music in my head, or I'll wake up and kind of go, aha, that's interesting. Mm. So I think social media is evolving, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take a stab and say, I do think that things are moving from attention to intention.
0: Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So everybody's, not everybody, but people are out there trying to grab as much attention as possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And because of how I made up and I'm easily distracted, I've pretty much eliminated most of my notifications off my phone.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Oh, sure. And, it, you know, the phone has a has a focus mode and sometimes I use it because... I'm really wanting to get deeper into whatever it is I'm doing. Mm. Because early on, I I studied with a woman, Liz Davenport, who was legally blind, dyslexic, really bad. And she had to create her own system to be organized. And she was really bright. And she once said, and I found this to be true, that if you have a distraction, you're sitting at your desk doing something, and you get up for whatever reason, it'll on average take you 20 minutes to get back to what you were doing. Mm. Wow. So when it comes to yeah, when it comes to social media, I challenge people to, you know, do the digital detox. I've been doing that lately and it's nice. But it's the Center for Humane Technology,
0: mm. mm-hmm. which
1: is the nonprofit organization created by Tristan Harris and his partner and several people who were responsible for The Social Dilemma, the film on Netflix. Mm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I I um, I think social media is in a big change right now. And some of the marketing people that I follow say that things are moving more and more into content. Just get the content out there.
0: I'm really glad to hear that. And thank you for the resource. I'm going to look it up. Center for Humane Technology. Did I get it right? Yep. Okay. You did. Um, Because I'd love to read their studies or whatever they're publishing right now um, and follow their tips and advice. (laughs) I imagine they have some of that. Uh, And
1: they have a podcast.
0: Oh, beautiful. Okay, great. So,
1: And just briefly, that's called um, N Divided Attention or Your Undivided Attention. Uh So they just dropped an episode on TikTok or, or about TikTok.
0: Oh, okay. I definitely will have to look into that because when I started on social media myself, Mm -hmm. I think I was, well, let's see, I'm 41. So I've been through all the different generations of iteration from AIM to where we are today. And uh, what I noticed is the last 10 years or so, I had a strong resistance to wanting to be on at all because of the attention versus intention. And so one of the ways that I developed a strategy plan for social media with my team is we talked about what do we actually want to be giving to the world. And we created four buckets, right? And one of those buckets is education. And so there's always a post every week that I try to put out that will have some form of education in it that will be serving people as opposed to any kind of sales or buy this program or call me now (laughs) approach because it just didn't ring true to who I was in the world. Mm -hmm. And even though I would say it hasn't really garnered clients and, and that's not our, that's actually not our goal is to gain clients from social media. Our goal is to serve and to have a, like a digital footprint in the world so that when people do get curious and come have conversations with us, then we do the work of, you know, enrollment and, what's possible if you work with a coach.
1: And they know what you stand for.
0: Exactly. And I will say I've been hired several times off of that, that notion of just like, Hey, I noticed you said this in the world and we believe this. So we'd like to talk. Nice. Yeah. What are your hopes for social media in the future with where we're headed and all the research that you're studying?
1: Oh gosh, it's really funny. I was thinking about this earlier because I knew you were to ask. <laughs> I mean, we produce your podcast. Yeah, so
0: you know my style.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know your style and the questions and stuff, and that's fun. So, remember I told you like wake up with a song every morning? So, when I was thinking about it this morning, what came across my plate, so to speak, was um, they're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make a big star out of me. They're going to put me in the movies, and all I have to do is act naturally. Mm -hmm. So... I just think people need to be themselves. Mm. You know, I, you may or may not know, but I'm regarding podcasting, I'm highly focused on private podcasting mm-hmm. because it goes deeper. Mm-hmm. And it gives people an opportunity to really get to know you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it allows you to go deeper with people who are willing to actually trade an email address to hear what you have to say
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, that's kind of my view on
0: Mm, the hope. The hope is to go more that route of private podcasting and being more authentic.
1: Yeah. The the people that would just forget, you know, get yourself out of the future
0: Mm. and be seen today, which goes back to being seen and heard in the world.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: Round it out.
1: Like I didn't, you know, I wrote a few things down before we got started here, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't really have an agenda.
0: Yeah. To be present in the conversations everywhere. Beautiful. Well, um, you're an incredible leader in the world. I think hopefully people are getting that by now listening to you speak, but I'd love to know how, um, how has leading in the last three years, you know, been for you? Or how has it changed you?
1: Well, although I've been podcasting a really long time, I started Imagine Podcasting in the middle of a pandemic, you know, no problem, mm-hmm. July 2020, and wanted to put together a team. And largely because, like I said, I just I, I realized that I'm just not very good at being alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that I really love collaboration. And that there's a responsibility there mm-hmm. in terms of team, in terms of leader. And I fully embraced Simon Sinek
0: mm-hmm.
1: and his values and Brene Brown,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Atlas of the Heart sitting behind me. Most people can't see it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And really started thinking about what leadership really is and what it is is just being being responsible for the people that are responsible for others in a sense
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and it's not about position or anything else. and you know, you and I both know that just because you have a position of authority does not necessarily make you a leader. I've been up and down honestly with it, okay mm-hmm. and I'm going to take the opportunity right now to say, I believe when this episode comes up. It'll be one after episode 32 with Blaine Heck, which is a must listen because Elena's coaching tip. Do <laughs> you remember what it was, Elena?
0: I think so. Uh, well, maybe remind us <laughs> what's it's called. It's something about vulnerability, vulnerability right? Vulnerability, yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so... It's not like you get it, like I, I thought I knew what it was. And it's not like I got it, but it's just what it spoke to me and I realized is I need to open that door and walk through it mm. again.
0: And again and or again always. and again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and as you said, you know, the more you do it, the better at it you get.
0: Yeah.
1: And I don't know what better at it you get really means. Mm-hmm. But in terms of leadership, um, It's like great podcast hosts listen. So it's like that too, which is that I like to listen. Like, you know, Sam Mm -hmm. on our team, creative Mm -hmm. director and phenomenally gifted is, um, and he comes from the East Coast, which I really love, by the way. And, you know, I listen to what he has to say because behind his words often are just these gems and just gold. And... After podcasting as long as I have and stuff, I know that there's not a single person I've ever met that didn't have something of value to say. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it's like, it's not really my company. Mm. I feel more like a steward of something bigger than myself. So kind of to answer the question, Elaine, I'm still in process on this, but in terms of leadership, it's just really important to listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah especially the last three years, you know, with the pandemic and with social unrest and uh, ra- racial conversations and the war and and, and, and Roe versus Wade. <laughs> I feel like the list keeps getting longer every time we look at it. Listening has been imperative for me as a leader. So I uh, I acknowledge you for, for being willing to listen in those times when it might not feel comfortable to sit back and listen.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I, I don't know where it came from, but uh, one of the little things that pops out from my head is is that comfort is the booby prize.
0: <laughs> I've never heard that. Well, you can use it. <laughs> I'll have to think about how, how that relates to my life.
1: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll throw out another one, too. Labels are for pickle jars.
0: Oh, my gosh, that's good. That's good. I feel like that's something my mom would say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We had a conversation with her before we got on the...
0: Yeah, yeah. Labels are for pickle (laughs) jars. I like that. Well, talk to me about women in leadership, because I know this is something you are very passionate about. uh, Watching you the past three years bring on guests for your show and even creating partnerships with women has been magical. So um, what do you get out of supporting women leaders?
1: I, first of all, learn a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And once again, I listen. I, you know, it, it comes out of what I said earlier about, you know, my father losing his hearing and not being heard. Mm-hmm. So at some point in this, you know, I started podcasting actually in 2005. And it was 2006, six seven where I had some things happen that completely changed my perspective of what I would call and do call the sacred feminine. I wasn't even aware of that term. Mm. And when I thought, when I started looking around and and realized that women were not being heard, Mm -hmm. but basically I wanted to elevate their voices to be heard. And this was very, it wasn't exactly real conscious, but that's when I really started working with women. Like everybody I ever worked with up until about two or three years ago, were women Mm. because it was a passion to elevate their voices to be heard. So what I get out of it is a whole lot of sacred wisdom, really. Mm. And, uh, I mean, people in business now know that women, in a real sense, make much better leaders in business, much much better CEOs. Um, What I get out of it is I feel... Grateful to be able to be a small part of being able to help women's voices to be heard. Hmm. So is it with what has my attention? There's three women that I do uh, we have conversations once a month.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know it's uh, you can just go find out, but it's
0: great, please go listen to it for those that are curious.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's actually it's actually in a category on the website, what has my attention called Women in Strong Leadership. Mm, mm -hmm. And I do the I present them and we always have a topic and then I simply bow out. Mm, mm -hmm. And because I don't want to be, I don't wanna at this point don't want to influence anything at all. Mm -hmm. I just want to present. And I get to lay back and really gain a lot of I just gain a lot from listening and incorporating and just contemplating. And this is going to change. It's going to evolve because there's some men I'm meeting that I really, really enjoy. Um, Rodney Mueller and I have been having conversations. Excellent. Yes, and so I want to open it up to something else. But right now, it's it's um, you know it's really about elevating women's voices to be heard.
0: Well, thank you for being a stand for that in the world and for for. Knowing it's important, welcoming it into your space, and this this idea of the sacred feminine is maybe new to some or maybe some have mm-hmm. been wrestling with it for a long time. and it makes me think about um, my last coaching session this week, actually with my coach, one of the things I brought to her is how how I want to just have a deeper connection with my own body again, or maybe for mm-hmm. the first time ever. And what we got to, which was really brilliant, was how now that I am a founder and a CEO and a leader in the world, uh, how disconnected I still am, even though I am bringing the sacred feminine to those spaces, that it's still in a masculine structure, right? And that blew my mind. Like, you know, what is a CEO track and who created CEOs in the world? And so what system is still being in place for women to follow this system? And I, I suddenly had this light bulb moment where I was like, oh, right. If we were left to our own devices, I probably wouldn't have created this this way anyway. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't have followed the system at all, which is sort of what I've done with the C-Suite Collective. It feels a little bit like it's a, a big creative brainstorm baby as opposed to yeah. a structure it was followed by a business school that said, this is how it should be done. So I I love that you brought that into the space. Cause for me, it's something I've just started to wrestle with around owning that sacred feminine at a higher level outside of just my voice and my thoughts. But from a body perspective and a spiritual perspective, what could I be doing and creating from, you know, next. So yeah. thanks for bringing that in. It, it, it just resonates. Since it was just a conversation I was having this past week. Yeah, no. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's great. In fact, uh, you know, somebody I've followed, but not really following a whole lot now, but is Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. And Seth Godin has a program called Alt MBA. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, you know, so when I started to find out more about that, I realized that the business structures in business are changing. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And thank God for the C-Suite Collective mm. and other organizations like that. Thank you. Like yours.
0: Well, John, this has been really fun. I think we're, we're almost out of time because we could talk forever, as you, you yes. I know. But um, what do you want to say to the world? That's, that's sort of how I've been asking every guest to wrap up the podcast is if you could lead the world into the next year, what would you say to them?
1: Primarily slow down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, as a Navajo chief friend of mine once said, slow down.
0: Mm. That's beautiful. And listen. <laughs> slow down and listen. I think that's a post it note forever on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here, John. I really, really adore your partnership and your friendship. So thank you so much for being such a great uh, light in my world.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way.
0: Thanks again.